0: On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by Thor Nystrom to recap the NFL draft this past weekend. We obviously get deep into the weeds with Mac Jones and discuss all the other Patriots picks and what they mean for the future of the team. It's a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music.
1: receivers. Two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted! Intercepted, Intercepted. 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 Intercepted.
0: We are live on a Monday night after the draft. We are here with Thor Nyström, talking the draft. Of course, draft grades. This is what it's all about, man. We've been waiting months for this, It finally happened. And so now we have to recap with one of the best in the business, Thor. We appreciate you coming on. It's gonna be a little more cordial than it was last year, I think. Uh, you, gave the- <laughs> you like the Patriots' draft? A heck a like a, a lot better this time around than you did last time. Uh,
2: Absolutely. But, uh, Good. Thanks to be for coming here, on.
0: And uh, must have been a, a crazy draft draft weekend for you, huh?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just still, like, catching my my head on it. And, like, this year for NBC, they had us doing this thing where it was, like, live reactions, like, after the picks. And, like, you know, you think, like, going in, like, oh, that'll be fine, you know, like, you know, you know most of the guys that are going to go and, you know, yep. whatnot. But, like, even though I expected the Trey Lance, like, I saw the Trey Lance thing coming, I, I could have won I'd, a lot
3: of money if I listened to you five weeks before.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I had to do the live reaction after that thing. And I, like I was still mind blown. Cause it was like mind blown of like, Oh my God, like those two guys did this. Like they did the greatest smoke screen in NFL draft history. You know, like anyway, a lot, a lot was going on in a crazy draft weekend, you know, like a, yeah. a really, really interesting and compelling draft. I thought overall, I agree. Let's talk about that. I want to start with that San Francisco thing. First of all, I, you know however you
0: feel about Lance what do you think about the trade up number 1 but number 2 what was with the smoke screen like why i guess would be the question i have
2: yeah so I, I think there's only one theory that makes sense so i just i just take it as fact that this like what what i think happened is um you know they make the decision to trade up they love lance and i think that some sharp, I mean, those guys in particular, but I, you know, we don't know of the other sharp teams that were in on Lance. I'm guessing the sharp teams in the NFL were the ones that were in on him and they just weren't talking about it to the media. You know, it was like, you know, we, cause you know, I think San Francisco, um, I think Lance was above Wilson on their board. And, and I think it was, we're moving up our old, you know, defensive coordinator Salas, you know, over there, whatever. And they didn't want Salah going to Joe Douglas and being like, The smartest offensive dude I ever worked with in my entire life. And then John Lynch, who's a pretty sharp dude himself. They just mortgaged the entire, you know, future of their franchise. And they're putting both of their names on the line at this point, you know, where it it will be a lifetime of embarrassment for them if, if Trey Lance is a bust. Do you think we should take a look at those two guys one more time? Maybe right. think about this one more time. That's what I think it was. I think the smoke screen specifically was for the Jets, obviously because we knew who was going to be the, you know, the first pick or whatever. I I think that the the 49ers wanted Lance to get to them. I I think he was their dude. Makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. I mean, when you when you put it that way, like it's not for the people after them, it's people before them. I guess that exactly. Makes yeah, because c- anyone after them, it doesn't matter. And once the Jets had made the darn old trade, that was locked in. They were taking the quarterback and we basically all knew who that was. There wasn't even a process. You guys will recall this during the pre-draft process where there was like with the Jets, it was always like it's going to be Wilson. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't like, oh, you know, they could go this way or they could go that way. It was like they were just sort of locked in on him. And I think a part of it, like, you know, for fans out there and everything like I, Zach Wilson was an easy pick. On Thursday night. That was an easy pick. You're going to get celebrated here for the next couple months. You know, whatever. Trey Lance, that's a harder pick. Right. right. And then, of course, you're, you know, the, the you know, the trade equity and stuff like that that they put in. But like, if the Jets had taken Trey Lance at two, you are you facing a lot of second guessing in the immediate aftermath. Um you know is is that something that would you know dissuade you from thinking further about what seems to be an obvious decision to you on the surface I don't know but it, it seems like the jets were zeroed in that way and I again I I think the reason for the smoke screen was the 49ers wanted to keep it that way
3: so so let's get into your your draft rankings here cuz I know we take a look at them every year you do a great job with that uh get into the patriots right away uh lot lot higher on them this year than last year I think yeah. we talked um before we went live you you'd given him a c i think around there for last year obviously we had said you know a lot of them panned out uh on Wenu duggar uche uh but this year gave him a b plus right uh what was kind of your thought process process into that what was you know your reasoning for giving him such a high grade was it the mac jones pick obviously the barmore pick a lot of people had a top 20 top 25 grade on him they move up and get him at 38 was it just the value that they were able to get those players at
2: Pretty much. Yeah. You know, and like I was writing my column, I I was shocked at the team that I, that took Mac Jones. I gave them a B plus. I never would have seen that coming. I spent the last two months before draft night You know, having to sort of correct these Mac Jones false narratives that were no fault of Mac Jones's, but you know, to for the media to sort of support the smokes, you know, like that that idea as reality, you know, to prop up these false reports or whatever, they had to turn Mac Jones into something that he was not a top three prospect overall in the draft. He was never that. He wasn't that to San Francisco. He is not that in reality. He's he's not that. But you know, to me, he's you know, I I rated him twenty five overall. Right. Like, you know, to me, he's a slightly better version of Andy Dalton coming out of TCU. Now, New England fans might not like to hear that. Andy Dalton started for a long time, in, you know, in the NFL. He's had he's had success. He had a long career, whatever. That's the reason I, you know, th- that he went there or whatever. But where New England got him, that is not bad value. You know, like, you know, again, I, I, you know, I rate him 25. They took him 15. You pay a premium for the quarterback position when you don't have a quarterback, you know, or, or you know, a, a guy that you can you know, guarantee Cam Newton. You know, we'll see, but you know, in their position, you pay that premium. So I didn't have any problem with that. And then you mentioned it the Barmore pick was one of the steals of the second round. If not, if, if Owusu Koromoa had not made it to the second round, it would be the steal of the second round, but it's, it was highway larceny anyway. And I was talking to a friend about this earlier today on the phone where. I had done so many mock draft iterations, you know, before the draft, you know, like on my own. And then I was on a bunch of these like live mocks and like whatever. And so you start to like, you know, at least get an idea of, you know, how you think guys could fall or, you know, like their sort of bands or whatever. And Christian Barmore invariably almost always went to Cleveland at 25, whether in the mocks I did or, you know, with, with other folks, whatever, he would fall down there, but they would always end up taking him. Cleveland. I don't think they expected one of those top four cornerbacks to be on the board there. And I, I think if if you know if if Newsom had not been there, I think there is a solid shot that Cleveland takes Christian Barmore twenty-five overall. They don't, you know, Newsom ends up being there. Um, and then it caused, you know, a little, you know, down the board, it caused, you know, I mean, the, then the Packers, instead of taking, you know, Newsom in that case, they end up going Stokes and then things just went against Christian Barmore. The the reason Christian Barmore fell to 38, it has nothing to do with Christian Barmore. That's, you know, th- in this case, it was circumstantial. Again, I, I think he goes 13 spots above where he went if, if Newsom was off the board before 25. And then you just go down the board. Ronnie Perkins. By any account, that that is a great value at 96. Ramondre Stevenson, I love that kid. I absolutely love that kid, and, and the fact that he went right around where I had him ranked because I was I was sky high in Ramondre the whole time. The fact that he went right around where where I had him ranked, but specifically to the Patriots, that I was really really interested by that. I you know as far as a mid round pick that's going to make an impact, I I was in love with that pick. Yeah. I think they did a great job overall. You know.
1: Yeah, just going back to the Barmore pick, you know, a little bit, they had to move up to get him, obviously, because he did fall and they, they didn't really expect him to fall so much. So, yeah, my my question really is about the grades and how, how do those trades factor into your grades, whether somebody has to move up or move back to get their guy and specifically Barmore in the Patriots grade.
2: Yeah. So if there's a criticism of my, my stuff, it's like, it's, it's almost too analytical as far as like coming right after the draft. And it's also, you know, just sort of based on my opinion, you know, where I had the kid ranked, you know, in advance or whatever, but right. in, 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 you know, in, in, cases of like the trades, you know, it becomes like, who did you get in the slot that you traded up for? How much excess draft equity did you give up? Christian Barmore to, to, again, to me, top 20 prospect, I ranked him number 20 overall. So the juice is going to be worth a squeeze on almost any trade up to 38 to get him. Because again, for me, he's, you are getting a. It, it's not just the idea of a steal. It's that you are literally to me getting a top twenty prospect. And so, like, you know, it just in a vacuum, you pay up for that. But like, I mean, like that, you know, the trade they made up to get him, I thought was very smart because you're getting back a better prospect than you know then you're giving up equity. Even though if, if on the trade chart it seems like you're giving up a little bit more in the moment. Yeah, right. and we knew
3: right, too, we they to- would use those four. They had three fourth round picks within you know seventeen slots or whatever it was. You knew they were going to go into day two you know, specifically and use that to kind of close the gap between we thought 46 and 96, they end up moving up to do it. And then having that big gap, which they're, they're really never, you know, they never do. And they, they made one trade, which was crazy to me. They're usually, you know, moving up and down the board, trying to, you know, have a good solid pick every, you know, 30 to 35 slots. They stood. um I, And I think too, with the Perkins pick, you noted, I know I'm all over the place here, but uh that was a lot of people had him as a top 60 player. And then obviously he fell for, you know, whatever reason, and they get a premier edge talent at 96. I think that's a guy who can come in and contribute a uh, high motor player that can come in and contribute day one.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And both, both those guys were sort of de- devalued for, I mean, in, in some ways different reasons, but then also in the exact same reason, right? Like they were both concurrently suspended at Oklahoma. You know, I, I, uh, um I specifically with Ramondre, cause I had a real conviction about that kid having watched him down the stretch, um, you know, and then going into the game against Florida where he, you know, was going nuclear, but it was it was basically week after week. And another interesting thing with Oklahoma that, that I noted now, this is it's not specific to Ramondre necessarily, but I, I think it speaks to his value is that early on in the season, Spencer Rattler, who if you look around the industry right now, you'll note that he is, you know, the either the first pick or you know, one of the top five picks in these two early mock drafts at the beginning of last year. The, the recruiting—he was not playing up to his recruiting hype. He was playing okay, but like I, I watched him in a couple of games, and I was like, you know, he's going to take longer than people thought, right? Because he was like the first Lincoln Riley handpicked quarterback that was like going to start for you know the, the Sooners. It had just been the the grad transfers up to then, you know, Baker and and Kyler, and then and then Jalen Hurts. Well, Ramondre Stevenson was suspended for the first what was it? Three? It was like three or four games. And when the second that Ramondre Stevenson came back into the lineup not only did their rushing game get a ton better, but if you will note Spencer Rattler's uh, performance went up precipitously where it was like week after week, he was getting better and better and better. And by the end of the season, they, they just went, they just dropped bombs on Florida. Like that, that was one of, the, am I allowed to swear on this podcast or no? Yes. That was one yeah. of the ass kickings of a of, of bowl season. I mean, just drive after drive after drive. And then Kyle Trask, my God, like I, Talk about a guy! I'm surprised he went in the, the second round. Well, you know, once he didn't have Pitts and Toadie and and Grimes in that game, it was like you know the, you know he wasn't wearing his cape anymore. He didn't have the pixie dust. You know, right. and he, he just got eaten alive. But uh, great pick on you know for 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 both of those guys to finish up the point on Stevenson. I looked into his suspension. And, you know, and it was like he had a failed marijuana test, which. I talked a little bit about this in the scouting report, but since, you know, we're on a new England podcast, you know, I might as well expound on it. The, his Juco coach, he was a, a Juco for a couple of years. His Juco coach said, this is one of the finest individuals that I've ever had in my program. Like, you know, period. And he, and they asked him about the suspension at Oklahoma and and the Juco coach said something I thought was really interesting. He said, Ramondre Stevenson, I had zero problems with Ramondre Stevenson. And, you know, in two years, w- you know, was that an absolute joy to watch? And he goes, Ramondre Stevenson did not fail a drug test, you know, under me or whatever. And he's like, the kid made one mistake and he's, right. you know, he was super contrite about it and, you know, everything like that. He, like, he felt shame about it. Um, and Um And to me, like, Um, you know, not only that, not only do you have the context that the kid's not a problem child or anything that marijuana is not even going to be tested for within the next three or four years here, right. you know, like issues like this, or Josh Gordon, obviously being a far, far greater example of this. Cause again, Ramondre Stevens, it was one marijuana test his entire career. And he, he ended up losing like four or five games, you know, in a crucial part of his career, he got penalized heavily for, for that one test or whatever. But like, you know, issues like that, they're not going to be an issue, you know, going forward. It's um, right. it's ridiculous societally. And for the league, we, we don't need to get into all that. But as far as that goes, um, the people in his past rave about the kid, and he's a very talented runner. He's he's one of those kids that you like, where he's the bruiser who moves very fluidly f- through space and has awesome feet. Like it, it's not just that he can run people over; it's that like once you're leading up to the collision Contact point, balance. It, that too, that too. But like, once you're coming in, he can screw with your angles, you know, just like in that slightest way, but it's like, you know, with a pitcher, with a curveball, you know, where it just cuts extra, you know, whatever, if the mm-hmm. bat doesn't get it flush all of a sudden instead of a home, you know, whatever you, you have a pop out or whatever, Ramondre Stevenson, he's got the power, but he also has those feet to, to, to set it up. And you mentioned the contact balance, which manifests once he has, you know, you, instead of hit, hitting him flush, you hit him off target, he's going to stay up and keep moving forward. I, I really like that kid. Yeah. I like it.
0: So uh now those those guys, it's funny because Stevenson's a guy that I wasn't I didn't really do any work on him. And then we went into Keegan and I went into our uh our instant because we do an instant reaction podcast for every for every pick, Patriots pick, of course. And uh and I was like, Oh I'm not really sure. And he's like, Oh, I got this, don't worry about it. So he Keegan had done some work on it, but uh but and so McGrone, we had we had talked you know about McGrown before the draft, and, and you know in mock draft shows and stuff. But we really hadn't talked about their last three picks, so I just want you to kind of shed some light on on them. So Josh Bloodsoe, uh which Josh well, the, the extra H throws me off, but whatever. You know, uh, so Josh Bloodsoe, him, If you haven't
3: seen him, he's huge. Yes. Massive.
0: So Josh Bloodsoe, Will Sherman, and then Trey Nixon, the, the final pick. But which, Ernie by
3: Adams
0: the way, pick. Trey Nixon, the Ernie Adams. I don't know if you saw the video. Ernie Adams it was it was Ernie Adams hand selected him. Uh, as oh, his really? last, his last pick, yep. his um, last pick ever, yeah. His no, he last picked pick David Givens. He picked yeah.
3: David Givens, so yep. it was a seventh rounder. So hopefully this guy. Right? Yep.
2: Wow. Okay. I no, I didn't know that. That's that's actually super interesting. Okay. Did did he explain like why it was he, like he, Trey Nixon? He didn't just...
0: explain why it was Trey Nixon, but Bill, you know, Bill in the draft room gave this whole speech about you know Ernie's been you know forty years and blah 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 whole thing. He wrote the book on scouting and you know and we're gonna we're gonna let him make the final pick. He was uh, quick
1: with it. He, he was very Bill quick, said, was he? Yeah. yeah. Bill said we're gonna we're gonna give Ernie the final pick, and he said, "All right, uh, Trey Nixon, he, wide receiver out of UCF." <laughs> it took about three seconds.
2: That's yeah. that's really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That UCF team had multiple receivers that, you know, like the the kid that I was super low and I, I he didn't get drafted. I don't know if he signed with anyone, but like the kid that put up stats is that, was it Marlon Williams' his name? Like, yep. and he, he was just like an older, you know, receiver that they just threw like the short passes to or whatever. And then he would just like bowl over people, which clearly wasn't, you know, he couldn't project it. But like between Nixon and then that Harris kid that started to come on late, you know, he's the kid who's like 6'5, 215, 220. Yeah, and he like, went to Carolina.
0: No, that's he's, not he's like
2: that kid's really interesting too. Like, yeah. yeah, I after watching Marlon Williams, who initially, like you got you know, you realize back in like November, you, you know, you I watch a lot of college football because I have to watch it from the time it starts basically till when it, when it ends for my job every single week or whatever. Uh and like you start to see like with, with UCF, I hadn't gotten assigned to their games, but like Williams, the, the stats were like such that I had to look into them a little bit and it was just like eh. But then the other kids Nixon being one of them, but that Harris, it's like, who are, who are these guys? You know, I was like, that was, that was more of the interesting thing as far as blood. So we can just sort of start at the top as far as blood. So it goes, I wasn't as big of a fan of his game. I, I think I ended up, uh, rating him as undrafted, uh, you know, maybe right outside or whatever. Um, you know, sort of right on that line, uh, two twenty-two overall. So, so no, I, I guess I would have rated him as a seventh rounder. Um, you know, like he's he's a musk. You guys mentioned it, like he's a well-built, um, sort of you know uh muscular type type dude or whatever, um, you know. But like for for me, I. I I don't know. I you know I I put him lower because I I don't trust him a hundred percent. Like between you know he played a couple different roles at, at at Missouri. You know between like the the safety thing and then they would move him into the slot a, as a slot defender. And he's one of those guys that like you know I think some people saw him as you know sort of like a how would you call it like a chess piece on the the you know like in the bargain bin like you know maybe you know whatever. <laughs> I, I guess for me, I, I wonder what is the one thing that Joshua Bledsoe does good enough to stay on the field long term, you know. And so th- that was my concern. We're like, you see a couple of these different, you know, like um, you know, in, ter- in terms of you know the willingness to come up and defend against the run, and 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 you know the ability to come up and, and guard the big slot or whatever. Like you see some of these different things, but it's like, is he better at any of those things than? you know comparable prospects you know at, at the safety position or whatever and so that's why for me he fell but again there's other people in my industry that saw him as on the other side of that where it's like not only did they think you know maybe you know he, he th- that they thought he could do both so it's like new england has a good track record with those kind of players so like again i i, I was lower on them but when new england took a, b- a bit higher like specifically with them it's like, it was the opposite of my Ramondre stevenson thing where i was like right. i was like pumped to pat pat myself on the back with bledsoe i was like oh man i'm been wrong about Bledsoe I mean we'll, we'll see yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah so just, I, you want you, go, want you want me to go down or do you guys want? You know to talk yeah about
3: I was that? gonna say McGrone because that was a guy me and Keegan um we kind of pinned on him on our big board that was one of the two we hit I believe um yep. we kind of had we did have you, had, you guys got that
2: in your in your mind? we had
3: McGrone yeah we had him oh, as a fifth nice. rounder yeah so we, we we pinned him just to you know obviously coming off the ACL uh Belichick kind of talked about in his press conference after it's more of a 2022 pick they're going to rehab him and I, I don't think he'll he would see the field either way uh, unless you know they they had the depth that they had last year but um, you know physical downhill linebacker can play in the middle Um Super I, young. I wanted him in that fifth round Um, I think that's a that's a pretty good pick for them
2: uh, yeah and and you guys hit on it. it it's it's you know the the only issue that I have with with McGrone is I was surprised he went into the draft right like you know he usually could have gone back to Michigan and then seen how the rehab went and you know like and then just seeing where it gone after that um to me he is um this is an opportunity essentially to shop on a discount for a kid that if he had gone back and you know shown it on the other side and then improve some of the things with like coverage and stuff because that was my big issue with him but like again like some of these prospects you know Kadarius Tony or like some of these other guys they're like old right like they've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to show some of these different things with McGrown he's a young kid and what i like about him is mostly is the explosion thing like for you know to either side it's like the quick trigger and he's gone and then you know the, the push off is very fast and so like you know it's like boom 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 and, and he's there right like and so, so against the run I, I I like the kid a lot you know assuming you know that everything um there you know as far as like coming back like everything like that you know goes well it, it's just for me it was the coverage thing and and that's something where a guy like that you see linebackers like this every single year where like initially they're good against you know they're at one thing two things and then you know as they're career goes on they keep working at their deficiency and then they'll sort of break through some of them you know some of them never do or whatever but like I, I feel like magrone like some of these different things he would have continued to improve and he he, magrone personally his decision it almost seems selling low on himself you know you know whereas not to, to, to come back or whatever um, but I, I think that was only to New England's uh, benefit here right. I, I don't know any argument that you could make that where they picked him um, the the upside you know the you know where the juice is worth the squeeze yes the, there 's a bit more risk there you know j- just because of the you know the injury stuff recently and and, and his age thing, and then the fact that who knows m- maybe he 'll never be able to be playable on coverage, which would obviously be be a thing, but just because of how young he is and the limited exposure and everything and the flashes that we saw when he was on the field, and the fact that I know at the end you know obviously he did this in college, but at the nfl level he 's going to be very good at this too because it seems like he was born to do it it 's read where the, the movement initially trigger fast, and he's getting there really, really quick by, by pushing up. If if he gets better in coverage, th- that's where that pick could start to look like a steal.
3: I want to get into because everyone wants to talk about it. Where we get through the draft, the one pick everyone is so they either love it, they hate it, they're somewhere in the middle, or, or happy, I guess, that they address the position in, in terms of their future. Mac Jones. I want to get your thoughts on him. Um, you know, it, it's something we talk about all the time. Like it was, it was one of those players that every year you know there's a receiver or a quarterback or just you know maybe a few players that are just your prototypical Patriots someone that would just fit here it's almost too good to be true that they land here and one of them was you know we pinned Amari Rogers as one um, and then obviously Mac Jones a lot of people had him you know going three so people kind of eased off on it with uh, him going to the Patriots but obviously the the Trey Lance goes three and he he pops up on their board. He seems like a quarterback that just fits exactly what they want, right? Wins pre snap, very good in the pocket, gets the ball out on time, anticipation throws, very good with his ball placement. Um, overall, your thoughts on him, how he fits here, and when do you think he would be ready to play? Um, because I'm sure th- there is some mixed reviews here. Uh, I know for me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I speak for Keegan and Pat, we're kind of in that bowl where you're spending a, fr- you know, this is a five-year investment on him. Take your time. You have a quarterback here that now you have that bridge guy in Cam. How good is he going to be? That's yet to be seen, but take your time with Mac.
2: Yeah, so – um yeah, I want to I want to tell you guys this story before I, I I get to that, which is I I play a lot of NCAA football online. Um, you know, yeah, they, we know, you know, we know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so there was one dude in one of my dynasties who he wasn't great on the sticks. You know, like it wasn't like you know you'd miss him because he was like really good at that, and it didn't seem like he was any sharper or any better at defense than me, and I just could not beat this guy no matter what, and I couldn't figure it out, and so I I asked one of my buddies, you know, at one point that played in these dynasties, I was like, what does that guy do? Well, like, why can I never figure out why is he always one step ahead of me? And and the guy said, next time you play him, notice what he does before the play. And so I the next time I played him, sure enough, you know, I'm, I'm 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 watching out for what happens pre-snap. The guy motioned. He he motioned, which is something that I don't do. Um, and the information that he got just by doing some of these different motion things, whether I was in zone, whether I was in man, where where my safeties were, am I in double high, am I in single high? He was able to destroy me. Merely because of that. Um, Your point is so well taken about the guy that, like, is super sharp before the snap. I I think that's a very underrated uh, skill, you know, and and obviously, you know, Brady and and the Patriots have exploited that for for years. It is a thing, right? Like, you know, the the guy who's able to play chess before the snap. And not to
3: cut you... Like, sure. I feel like that's overlooked with when when evaluating quarterbacks yes. and like where they came from, the amount of adversity that they went. In. I mean, Mac Jones's stories, you know, obviously Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow, but it's right on par with that, with what he went through at Alabama, uh, the amount of learning and, and developing that he took. That's why, like, I feel like people overlook that when evaluating quarterbacks.
2: Yes, that yes, uh, yes, uh, Absolutely. Um, but, you know, t- to overcome, t- to mitigate some of these, um, you know, physical, like, you know, as far as the top five quarterbacks, obviously, you know, he's got the weakest arm of the five, the least athletic of the five, but he manages to play above that. The the thing about seeing the field, knowing, you know, the defensive movement with the shift, what what coverage are they in, etc. Steve Sarkeesian loves that kid for a reason. It's not because he's got the bazooka. It's not because he's, you know, he's a- as athletic as Trey Lance or whatever. It's because he understands all the pieces before the snap. He's calling it out to his receivers right, are you're coming this away he he knows where the um he, the, it, it, you know it's it's like a pool shark that knows where the odds are going to be in his favor before the snap and then he can just sort of see it as it comes is he going to beat you 60 yards down the field on the fly no he, he, he's not going to do that but is he going to beat you a lot of times before the snap where like you know like with stuff you know steal your money like that yes and the other thing is two other things that I like about him a lot it's not just the running the system which which, by the way is a pejorative thing with him what I'm meaning to insinuate to you is it goes above that it's not just that he's the Manchurian candidate who's being told things by Sarkeesian you do this you do that what I'm suggesting to you is it's not a robotic thing with him it is a proactive thing where he actually is seeing different things before the snap where it's like you know like the Terminator and it's it's like through his vision it's like the odds you know this thing here if that guy moves there you, you know sort of a thing these things allow him to mitigate um you know some of the you know lesser things as far as arm strength and, and 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 the athleticism goes the other two things i wanted to point out about him that i think are very important is he was the class's most accurate quarterback between 0 and 10 yards so like you know again like i am I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about him down the field but like you know th- that other thing in conjunction with the fact that he does not miss with his placement or his accuracy within 10 yards very important the other thing that i really like about him is you see with one way that I can spot bust potential quarterbacks or guys that I, that I think could be bust is their, their play craters against either better competition, number one, or yeah. in the face of pressure. And usually with those guys, <clears throat> Drew Locke, <clears throat> you see it in both. Th- their splits, if you look at it the other way, they plummet. Uh Mac Jones not only played just as well against good competition, but also in the face of pressure, he had less of a drop off than any of those top five quarterbacks. So I don't, I don't think there's any risk, you know, as, as far as like a bust here. You know, again, like he's going to play for a long time. Do, do I question whether he'll be a top five quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, but do I like? I don't think there's any shot he's going to be worse than the you know twenty fifth to thirtieth sort of a thing. You know what I mean? Right. No, it's it's. It's a great point. Go ahead, Keegan.
1: You're selling us. I mean, all the things that you mentioned, like the, the, the short accuracy, I mean, all they have is tight ends and running backs on the roster. So that's yeah. great for them, you know. Yeah. And um, one, one of the things I want to talk about on him is just the long-term projection on how long it's going to take to get him where he needs to be to really lead this team, you know, to be a contender. Because he had four years at Alabama to learn the system and, and learn everything he needed to, to learn. Can he do that in one year behind Newton? Or do you think that it might take a little bit longer?
2: I think it's nice that you have Newton because it gives you it gives you a how would you say, a, um you know, not security blanket, but like, a, you know, you're walking the tightrope and, and you have the, you know, whatever underneath the you man. or whatever. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, like for, for me, I you know, if, if I'm the Patriots, like I hope that Matt goes in and outplays Cam. And for me, he's going to have to like even if it's just by a bit, but it's going to have to be objectively a play. I would love to start him in week one. But like, is, is, you know, if he doesn't great, we'll start Cam. Right. Like, you know, th- there's no problem there whatsoever. Like we can wait until Cam or t- until Mac is, is out playing him in practice. And then, you know, and, and, and then we can do it like um, but, but as far as like for me, like I, I think he is uh, he's NFL ready now in that the things he is like the best at they're already there they're already you know plus nfl level i mean like last year he was playing for what is an nfl staff in fact if alabama staff last year had been in the nfl they would have been one of the nfl's best staffs you got yoda and and saban and then Sarkeesian's one of the great play callers for me in modern college football history this is a guy who drank himself out of college football and is now the the head coach of texas just because of how how good he is at at that but again like when it's it's often mentioned with with mac jones is a pejorative right like you have this awesome supporting cast you you know you had the whatever. Um, but what is underrated about it is he, again, sees all this stuff beforehand, right? Like, again, there's a reason that Sarkeesian loves him way more than some of these other guys he's worked with, because it's not just the thing of like, you do what I say. It's he sees all these things as they're happening, the, the fluid things. And again, can call it out in the moment when the, you know, when the, the game clock is down to six seconds, and you're going to come here, you're going to come here. He sees what the coverage is. Okay. The, if the safety goes that way, I got a one-on-one look over there. Or if, if he does this, there's going to be an open guy in the flat. Mac Jones is was quicker at that stuff than any of the quarterbacks in this class, and I think that's why. Like when people compared him to, to Fields, that's where the in the comparison where Fields suffered, right? Because he Fields is, is much better when the snap starts, but again, Jones's ability before then to see all this different stuff and stuff like that, like it it, it has an effect of leveling his game up. And to your point about like his fit with the Patriots. For that reason, it's perfect, right? Like, and, and Brady did this, you know, the best of anybody. But like, as far as someone that you you've you've already seen and do it, um, Mac Jones is that guy. He was there for four years at Alabama, like you mentioned. And and to your point about the adversity thing, I you know I wanted to touch on that really quickly too. When Mac, so Mac Jones before when he came out of high school, he committed to Kentucky, which I like at the time I was like, this is so dumb. Like th- this kid's going to Kentucky. Like you know he was like a he, he wasn't you know He's a, a three star. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. a top guy, but like, you know, he was, um, you know, and I think he got up to four there at the end. Like, I think he was like a top, you know, fringe of the, you know, the I top
3: think two- after he decode that he was a four, but when he committed to Kentucky, he was a three
2: or something
1: like that. Decision making it bumps him up a star. Getting out yeah. of well, <laughs>
2: but, but you know, but if so, like he was a high high, you know, three star, like he, you know, right, right on that line or whatever. Um, the, he, the Kentucky, it was offensive court. It wasn't the head coach, but it was one of their assistants was so furious when Mac Jones decommitted to go to Alabama that he wrote out a tweet. Like it was one of the funniest things I've seen on a, on a signing day or whatever. But Mac Jones, like I thought he was doing a really stupid thing because not only did they have the quarterbacks there, he signed in the same class as Tua, and it's like you know what? What do you think you're going to do? Go in there and you know. And like it, like, it was, it was crazy to me. Um, but, n- you know, not only did he go there to work, like, you know, I'm not like, he had the self-awareness to realize, like, I'm not where I want to be to go to the pros, which was like the ultimate goal. And he's like, if I can compete against the best and learn from the best, like I might get there by the end. And he ended up starting you know at the end of that junior year when Tua got hurt or whatever. And then this was the season when they, you know, when he, when he really jumped up, improved every single year. Clearly the coaches will tell you that, you know, in practice, everything like that.
0: So I, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and is, I love I love what you're saying about Mac. And you, you are selling us on this. And, and Mike McDermott here says, you know, Jones will need to be elite in order to lead the Patriots Super Bowl title. This what's interesting, and, and it's kind of something that's been popping around in my head since since the draft. But this team and, and what the Patriots have been building, and we've been talking about this now for like two years now, they're building what they had at the beginning of this dynasty, this one team. Now, it's a throwback team. I don't know if it's going to work in the NFL anymore, but it's a run-heavy team with a good defense. They have a ton of chess pieces on defense that they can play with. Um, And then you get a quarterback in who does what Brady did, right, you know, and diagnoses things pre-snap. and kind of goes from there. And then what happens is that, you know, that quarterback then needs to be elite to get you over the hump, right? It can get you to 10 and six or 10 and seven or eleven and six or what you know, whatever it is with the 17 game schedule now. But like it can get you into the playoffs playing that type of thing. But you need that elite quarterback if that team is going to then take that leap to get into and perhaps win the Super Bowl. And of course, we don't know if Matt can do that, but I think it it's set up perfectly for him to do that. And if he can reach that level, that is really where I think this team can really shine. That's for
2: sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about like his, you know, you guys were talking about like the fit before and everything like that. Certainly guys that don't have the physical tools can play up, you know, whether they're in the ideal circumstance or whether they were just better than we thought, you know, from the jump, you know, Breeze, uh, Brady, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, like, you know, speaking of that to like Jones again, able to mitigate you know these different things that we talk about with him brady people didn't think what he was going to do was possible whatsoever and by the way it's not like he has a howitzer uh you know even you know you know know, whatever and as far as athleticism we you know we were right about that you know he was never very athletic whatever it but but it was like you know you know the, the that side of the game that i'm talking about about like it's like um you know like whereas regular quarterbacks just sort of see it like you would see it in Madden you know like seeing in the screen like that it's like some of these different guys can see the I mean for Brady it's like he's Neo like it's literally everything is binary and it's like all these different numbers like he, through his vision field it probably wouldn't look anything like we would think it would look like decisions would seem super obvious people would be going slower you know etc Um, and, and and for Mac Jones he's a guy that's capable of that right like and, and the, the Patriots already have all that stuff baked in as far as like um they've you know gone too far with this a couple times but like finding the opponent's weaknesses in any way possible and it's like we're gonna exploit the fuck out of you guys with that mac jones is the guy you could do that with not because he's he's you know crazy more physical talented it's the shit of like mac's gonna find that guy real fast he's right right there and if i do this we're gonna have a matchup there right or you know if he happens to trail the other guy then i'm gonna know that they have switched into this thing that's where he beats you it's not during the play you know i mean you know he does the right thing during the play but it, you know it's not the you know crazy athleticism in the bazooka but but it's this different stuff seeing this chessboard you know beforehand and to me to your point that's what reminds me a lot of you know of 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 brady in and the patriots way and i also loved your point about you know the the, the way the the um patriots offensive roster is constructed cuz i think that's super important and it goes back to my point about the ncaa football thing you got these different guys where it's like we got two tight ends one of them's going to be the inline one of them's going to be the big slot and we can do these you know different things move people around you know like you start to have you know it's both the thing of where you have the spread on the both sides you can put the you know again the 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 wide tight end on uh, on the one side whatever you start to thin out the box and so now you can see the defenders more right cuz you got the three but you got the big guy out in space too so they have to do something about that and then you start moving people around not only are the defenders in space beforehand but you can start to see okay well they're they're in this coverage because that guy would not you know whatever he wouldn't move with them if it wasn't a man coverage or he wouldn't stay if they weren't in you know, zone. And, and and now you can cut it down in your head. There's only two things that that guy can do. There's only three that that guy can do. Well, I know the play they don't. And so like when he does the one step or the one step the other way, that's where again. That's where Mac beats you. Is it, again. Th- do I think he's ever going to be a top five quarterback? No, but no one ever would have said that Todd Brady was going to be. It's 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 following the exact right. same steps. Can Mac get as far as that? As far as like seeing the whole chessboard at all times. I don't know. But again, as far as like a pick that that follows the Patriots ethos, chef's kiss.
1: Yeah, and we, and you talked a lot about the the pre snap stuff. I just want to get a little bit into post snap because one of the things that we've heard since draft day is how great he is on RPOs. And he he might not be the best, you know, reactor to things, but he's a great decision maker. And we've seen kind of New England transfer into the RPO game a little bit, but they're having Cam run the ball. Mac's not going to run the ball. Just what do you think that they can do to try to incorporate that into their game, the stuff that he did at Alabama? Because that was, that's where their success came out of was that RPO game.
2: Yeah, yeah, the point's really well taken. Yes, he is. He's really good at the decisions. He's going to make them very fast. And he's not, you know, even though it's 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 snap fast, he's not going to put the ball in harm's way, right? So it's, you know, again, going back to the pool shark thing, he's always playing the odds, and he knows where his limitations are as well. Very important. And, and as far as the RPO stuff, yes, that that's absolutely going to translate. Alabama did a lot of that, and they had the ridiculous athletes in space, so they could just go, you know, like opponents couldn't do anything about it or whatever. Uh, but, but with the Patriots, w- what's interesting is you might see Mac run a little bit more. Um, The one thing that surprised me about Mac was he actually tested a little bit better than I thought he was going to better 40 than Patrick Mahomes. It turned out that he was a bit more athletic and it, now you can't blame me for saying that he's like a, you know, was was like a lead footed statue as, you know, pocket passer at Alabama because they never had him run. In fact, I was looking into props before the national title game against Ohio State. I looked deep into him. Mac Jones had negative rushing yards in college over his career heading into that game. Now in college, they take away your sack yards but still like, you don't see that, you know, like he, he does not want to come out of the pocket. And you saw even like during the Ohio state game, there was, there was one play where he had like 10 yards in front of him and, and he could have just, he could have just walked to the first down, but he kept his eyes up. He's always doing that. So um one interesting, so, so you have that. And I like that, by the way, you know, that, that he'll throw it. But one thing to keep in mind with that is it's possible that he is a bit more, you know, I mean, we've seen that, that he is more athletic, but it's possible that we can see a, a bit better of a runner. Now I'm not talking about anything crazy, um but a guy that can steal yards you know both in the in the rpo if if like you're gonna crash down because you don't think i'm gonna leave the pocket like you know i'll I'll just run right around you whatever like i I think you'll see a little bit more of that because i think a part of the thing at alabama was you know and this came from sarkeesian and saban but like we have so many awesome athletes that that are going to be running downfield especially if the play is extended a little bit i think they drilled into mac we always want your effing eyes downfield you know do not take it beyond the line of screen. we always want you and, and and i think it was something that was drilled into him so much that again even like he'll keep looking if, as long as he's got time he will look for the opportunities and he sees the field so well that you know he can generally you know at, at least is gonna you know go over that away he's gonna make the right decision i like
0: that so i know you just came out with your udfa ranks so somebody asked about uh you know udfa's Patriots have like six i think they have seven eight the uh I thought, Seven after Yacom Johnson. Or I maybe Reese said eight. So I think they have eight roster spots left. Um, anyone that you think they should target here? In, they got to uh, keep the streak alive. They got to keep that streak agent. alive. They have. I think it's 17 straight years. They've kept an
2: undrafted free agent on the roster to start the season. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Th- I mean, that's getting extended. Uh, uh, do, do you guys know the kids they've signed? Because I actually like. I don't, think signed, I, I, don't think any. I don't think they've
3: signed anybody yet. No.
1: They haven't signed really? anyone?
2: No, yeah, no one. Which is so. weird, right? Really? it's like strange.
0: You
3: usually do it right after the draft. They have yeah. like five guys. Like last year with oh, Will Hastings and Jeff. They, usually have about,
1: they have about twenty spots open. Usually, they only have whatever we said, seven or eight this year. So, yeah. I the the one thing that I was huh. thinking was this is a very competitive roster. I mean, if if you whittle down the obvious cuts, there's still about sixty guys on the roster. So it, it's going to be tough to make the team. So maybe players just aren't interested in joining because I'm sure that they've looked into it, but. You know, like Pat said, who are some of the guys that you think would fit well and and may have a shot at making well, so, that
2: team? So I will say in advance, like I don't know who is signing who is not because like today was like my right. first sleep day of like two buds. so I <laughs> like I actually don't know like where the I know a couple, like I know that Bushman, my boy, went to the Raiders, um, but like you know as far as the other ones, I don't know. Um, I, I did see that Marvin Wilson went to the Browns. I I really like that signing. One Patriots guy, I'm sure this guy is signed already, but K Johnson from South Dakota yeah, State. Do you know? Do you know if he signed with anyone? He did. He, did. he signed with uh, uh Seattle. Hoping, uh, Seattle. right. Okay.
1: Yeah, they signed and,
2: someone yeah. else
0: too. They signed um another wide receiver as well.
1: They they drafted Eskridge. They've got DK and then a bunch of short, fast guys. That's their wide receiver room.
2: Yeah, I, I think Johnson's going to hang around. He reminded me a lot of a, a Patriot dude, you know, just like the, the right. slot receiver who's not super duper explosive, but he's he he gets separation, runs routes well, and then he comes down with anything you throw to him. You know, he's just like a right. guy that kills you with paper cuts, you know, kind of a deal. So um, Trill Williams, it, like I think any team t- should take a shot on him because his upside is higher than you That's
1: know. That's the Michigan State corner, right? syracuse kentucky syracuse
2: yeah the syracuse Actually. kid yeah yeah syracuse had a really weird defensive system where they were like because you think about it they had they had uh trill williams they had melafon Wu and they had um
1: cisco
2: cisco that's right so, so they had three dudes that were like legit you know guys that were gonna like you know hang in the nfl or whatever and yet last last season and you know uh, cisco got injured after like the third game but like even before then they would get shredded in the secondary a lot and it like some of the stuff was just like, you know, Cisco would take like a lot of, you know, chances or like he, he loved to try to jump balls or whatever. Uh, yeah. But the other thing is like they put him in uh, Syracuse had like really weird defensive um, habits, I guess I would say. Like on offense, they they play super duper fast, whatever, you know, go, 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 go. And then on defense, they have like pre delineated uh, aggression, I guess I would say. And uh, depending on what the offense does, uh, you could put uh, DBs into islands real fast, you know, that, that they're not going to win. At. They're going to look really bad, you know, on, on like a you know film or whatever. Uh, but it, Trill Williams is a guy that you know. I was a little bit lower on him some, than some other people, but I was still stunned that he didn't go. Like I had him one so New overall. Orleans, I think it looks like he went to New Orleans. Okay, yeah. um yeah, and, and New Orleans, they you know, like over the past couple of years, they've only picked like you know th- their past couple class was like three and four guys. I think you know th- this year they picked a few more, but like that's a roster where like the the lower part of it's not spoken for so i i think like like i like that you know landing for him I, I wish i knew some of the guys that weren't picked so that i could speak to it more specifically as far as like yeah it's, to it, it's a tough yeah, question yeah. yeah you know as as far as like who's even out there or whatever because i'm sure everyone i'm going to toss out is like you know already been already been picked up but my um, part right yeah. Uh, you know, j- just a couple of the other guys, Sedarius Hutcherson for sure is a guy that I would have, uh, you know, taken a flyer on. Sedarius Hutcherson was not good enough like in the past couple of years to get drafted. Just if, if you were look, if you drafted out of that vacuum, but the thing with him was he's, he's a super duper athletic dude that comes forward very fast. Like he's got springy legs. And so the issue with him is like his technique sucks. You know, he's still like learning and stuff like that, but like, I thought that kid would get drafted just because of that sort of special sauce of getting on you quick and then his ability to move around, you know, pull and like get out to the second level, stuff like that. Um, if I was any team, I, I would take a, a flyer on that. Like there were there were teams that were taking fucking long snappers in the sixth round, and it's like you're gonna take a fucking Jeez, long man. snapper instead of Trey Smith in in the in, in the sixth yeah. round, like yeah, go, was... and it's like, oh, you know, Trey Smith's his lungs, you know, like he's a risk. Okay. Yeah, motherfucker, in the second round or the third round, yes. But it's right. like in the sixth round, you're starting to take long stabbers. you're starting to take punters, kickers, like you know, and, and different guys that there's a, just about zero chance that they're going to make your roster. And, and you know, some of these different guys that we're talking about, you know, are are very much on on that level as well. Teams are just torturing their like late draft picks, and it like fucking t- you know ticks me off because it's well, like,
0: yeah. So so that's what I want. So Trey Smith is a guy I wanted to talk to you about because yeah. before we wrap up, two two teams. That I wanted to point out, the one team you were very high on, one team you were very low on drafting wise, uh, Kansas City, number one, who who drafted my bay, my my guy, my like Nick Bolton. I just like I get like the I get like the like the hard eyes when I You've when I see Nick Bolton months. play. <laughs> I, they have I just nonstop. That's all I've been talking about is Nick Bolton. Uh, and he goes, and he goes to KC. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, but they, again, get Trey Smith late. They got Creed Humphrey at the end of the se- second round. I thought they killed it. You gave them an A. Um, I thought they killed it. And then um, the other team was the Jets. And again, the Jets <laughs> take Wilson number two, which I thought was crazy. I thought the trade up for Elijah Verchuk was fine. But when you see Darisau go 23, it's like, yikes. I love the Elijah Moore pick. Love the Elijah Moore pick. Um, but you know, you gave them a pretty, a pretty low grade as well. So just wanted a quick thoughts and the Jets drafted two Michael Carters, which is so bizarre. I mean, it's just such so a strange.
1: They, they probably thing, drafted you know I mean? the wrong guy first and had to <laughs> correct it later on. <laughs>
2: That that was so epic, and the second one they took was the first one they took was Michael Carter the first, and the second one they took right was, it was the second, Michael
3: right? It the like oh, I was like, weird. No yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Um, yeah. The, so the Jets fans are another fan base that so is irate at me uh, today because I gave them a D. Um, That's okay. You're on a Patriots podcast, so that works. Yeah. <laughs> F- fuck. <laughs> with some new fans. Uh, so I, I get, so. I can start with the the J- the Jets. Is that the one? Yeah. yeah if you want, Chiefs, the Jets then, or yeah. Chiefs, either one. Yeah. So like, you know, as far as the Jets goes, like, you know, those guys were like, oh, you know, like, you know, you know, we got three of your top 25 prospects and you're, you know, you're, you know, you're saying it's a D. Well, first off, like I grade on a curve. Right. And so, like, you know, you don't see anyone else get around the industry that's grading with D's or F's or whatever. So, like, people get overly pissed off at me because I do. But even so, like, to me, I thought the Jets had, you know, because it's basically like I rank them up. I give out two, two F's and then it's like I try to distribute like a you know, fucking rainbow or whatever. And so, like, to me, the Jets had like, you know, one of the seven or eight worst uh, drafts of, you know in, in the league. And people are oh well, how can you say that? Like your numbers said they got the second most talent in the NFL, and they do. Um, the reason is, is because when you spend that much money, when you spend that much draft equity in this case, I expect you to come up with at least as much talent or close to it as the, those slots would suggest. If Zach Wilson's a superstar, they did. But if he's not – You know, I mean, like the whole thing is a disaster. It doesn't matter how good Vera Tucker is or how good, you know, Elijah Moore. Think back to the the Darnold draft. Like, does anyone consider that a success? You know, I I don't know who they, they took after that, but that draft is a disaster because you took a guy, you know, at three overall that like, you know, wasn't good for you. And then you had to give away essentially and so for you know in my evaluation of Zach Wilson I think he is far riskier than other people think and I don't think he's as close you know like I think his transition is going to be you know harder into the NFL and his game doesn't translate as well than I think people think and so for me like I can't see into the future. I never claimed that I could. Like, when, when with these sorts of things, where it's like, okay, if he goes bonanza, um, he could be the second or third best player in the draft. That's what I think about Wilson. Like, at the end of the day, but there's all these other outcomes out there where where he's you know between an unmitigate, unmitigated bust or just like a you know a below average starter or whatever. And so, because of that, like, I have to bake that into my rankings. And so, I put him 10 overall. Which, by the way, I thought was you know pretty strong for for Zach Wilson, based on what I've seen. Seeing as though he has never shredded a good defense ever, ever. Right. In, in college he didn't he didn't he didn't play well against one good defense, literally one. It, it has not happened yet. So the first time he plays well against an NFL defense, going to be like this is the first time he played well against good defense. So like you know like I have to bake that in. I, I just yeah. do so 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 you know as far as like the draft you know, the, the return on investment is, is a big part of these grades and for me because the you know the Jets took the 10th best prospect at two um they suffered because of that as far as the Elijah vera Tucker trade I loved your point uh you know like in with Vera Tucker when you, you're coming in you, you know I, I think like it was like you know he not only you know he he was the best uh interior offensive lineman i didn't have creed humphrey by the way too far behind him but but he was you know the the, the number one dude or whatever um but like the, the way that the board fell especially in hindsight in the moment they gave up too much i, I believe they gave up 370 uh trade points to the vikings to get 340 back I mean, they which they is, could, you know two thirds and got a fourth back like it was a lot yeah and I'm going by the Rich Hill one, which is like closer to like real life or whatever. But you know, any the Jimmy Johnson one, they probably paid a bigger premium. But either way, they, they paid a heavy premium to move up and then get their dude, but I think that they saw, when they were doing their pre-draft calculations, it's pretty clear that they made a mistake, because I think they thought if they didn't move up, there was no way they could get a quality offensive lineman back where they were, or, you know, interior guy, whatever, and then they're thinking, you know, we're going to delineate our day two to, you know, our round two to like this, whatever, but like like you mentioned, they move up with the Vikings. I'm a Vikings fan. I love that trade for the Vikings in the moment, except for the fact that they were passing on Christian Derrissa, who most certainly was not going to make it to 23. Right. And then- they take, they take they take Darius. <laughs> Mike Mayock's like, nope, you're wrong, Thor. I'll pass it right on down to the Vikings. It takes takes Alex Leatherwood. The, the, what a joke of a first round pick. Ugh. And then the Vikings end up getting Darisaw. And then it's not only that; it's, it's it's what you're mentioning. Like the you know uh, offensive tackle three went probably you know ten slots, you know uh, nine slots later than we thought he was going to go. Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle four, he goes you know, 20 slots later than, than we thought he was right. going to go. And it's not only that, for me, m- my second interior offensive lineman, but for, you know, even people that were a little bit lower, th- I don't think he dropped lower than like three on anyone's, you know, or four Creed Humphrey. He ends up going at the end of the second round. And so it's like for the Jets, you j- basically just airmailed these these day two right. picks that you didn't have to, right? Like y- you might not have gotten Tucker, but like you could have just stayed put and take a Darisau, or you could have got a different position to just take it Creed Humphrey at any point in the second round. Like, right. In hindsight, they very clearly made a mistake there. That is factored in, you know, into my grade. And then, like I said, the Wilson thing. But I, I agree with you, Elijah. Moore was fucking grand slam of a pick. Oh, There's man. no reason that he shouldn't have. He, that he should have the the first round.
0: I agree. So how uh, about the Chiefs? Because I, just just briefly here on the Chiefs, um, you know, you know, I love the Bolton pick. But then the two linemen. I mean, the big thing with the Chiefs was their offense stunk. And then they added Tooney. They traded for Orlando Brown. They drafted, like you said, probably the second best interior offensive alignment. And then they get Trey Smith in like the seventh round. I mean, it's like they had, they crushed it this offseason.
2: They did. Yeah. I mean, it, it, those guys are a machine of an organization. It's not just schematically on the field, it's, it's in their front office as well. It's all efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. The, the Orlando Brown thing was brilliant. You so rarely get to see, um, smart teams take advantage of other smart teams um, problems, but that happened there. It was a very unique circumstance where Orlando Brown comes out and he's like, I'm a left tackle, not necessarily demanding a, a trade, but uh, you're going to have to facilitate that. Cause I play it. If, if you know, if I'm not in left tackle, it's basically like, they had to get rid of him, and the Chiefs were like, "Okay, you know, we can help you with that." They right. they make that trade, but even though you know Orlando Brown, like his import probably is, is that late first round pick. I don't think anyone would have batted an eye if that was just the trade. But the Chiefs very crucially in that deal got a second round pick back. I thought that was brilliant, and it became more brilliant after the fact because of what they did with the draft. You mentioned Bolton. I was. So I was lower on Bolton than some other folks. You know, I had him linebacker six, but even me being on the low end of him, I ranked him sixty third overall. They took him fifty eighth. Almost everyone is, you know, was at some some level higher. So like, no matter what metric you go by, that is at least good value, if not. You know, to some people, that's a steal. Creed Humphrey, to everyone, is a steal. That that was just a mistake. You know, like, we talk about these different teams that make a mistake. The Green Bay Packers, one pick before, it took Josh Myers. You watch Josh Myers against Creed Humphrey, do you think that Josh Myers is a better player? You're an idiot. The, the other thing is, it's not just that. It's like, Creed Humphrey tested as one of the most athletic, you know, interior offensive linemen coming in right. ever. So it's like, you know, the, the Chiefs, you know, not only they're they're good, but they also put themselves in a position to be lucky as well. You you basically ended up, you know, for, for, for in an exchange for your first round pick you ended up getting both orlando brown and creed humphrey because you got the second round pick back in the deal that's fucking absurd especially for a team that's already elite that only needs offensive light help but it's but it's like we're not done folks it's like we're also going to give you trey smith for free because every other team's going to get freaked out by a lung issue that by the way he hasn't missed a game for in two years Last year, he decided to play when the COVID thing was going around. Like, if anyone was at risk for for the the COVID, it was Trey Smith. The guy weighs three hundred and thirty pounds, and he has this this you know this lung issue or whatever. He's like, no, I'm playing. Like, I, I have to play to show the NFL. He played the whole season. He played like a stud. For for the NFL to like you know push him down to the seventh round or whatever, I I, I don't understand that. On upside yeah. alone, on upside alone, it's like you know fourth or fifth you know let's say Feth, the, the fact that he gets down there you know just because of that when when you know again teams are torching these picks or whatever it's the chiefs got another steal there you know and in between those picks you know whatever but but those three picks i you know and in particular the two unmitigated steals and when you consider the fact that they turn that first round pick into both brown and creed humphrey it's like mind blowing their offensive line they just fixed it on the fly for very very cheap Yeah. It's such a well-run organization. What They had to do. It's exactly what
0: they had to do. And they did it. It's crazy. So, so this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. We've uh, we got deep into the weeds with Mac Jones. We loved it. And, uh, and broke down a lot of, a lot of picks here. It was great. So before we let you go though, you got to
2: plug yourself, tell everyone where they can see you and read you and hear you and everything else. Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Thorku, uh, T-H-O-R-K-U, and then you can find our uh, draft work at NBC Sports Edge. Uh, mine's on the college football NFL draft uh, section or whatever. And uh, like I, you know, if, if you want to check out like the UDFAs, if if the Patriots end up signing any, you know, in the coming <laughs> days, you know, there's some news. Y- you can look up where I, you know, I have them ranked in my, my UDFA thing and then by position, whatever. Uh, and then in the next week, um, I'm hoping that the Patriots will sign Bill. If you're listening, please sign a, a couple because I'm doing UDFA class rankings in the next week, and it's it's going to really suck if i have to give the Patriots zero an NA. i never i've never given out <laughs> one there's never been a team in, in my time doing this that hasn't signed a udfa patriots if you're listening to this you you must sign one at, at least, least one. If it, just give him a dollar signing bonus if he's out there right now i need you to have one so i can put you in my column
1: i'll take the bullet bill just sign <laughs> yeah contract.
2: i don't know if you're in my rankings i'll have to reach. i don't know if, if you can send over your got, tape i might uh, be able to make an amendment
1: hunting highlights that you might be interested oh, in oh well so. I, okay, listen, I got an
2: open spot on my board for a punter seven right now tomorrow if can, yeah if you can tomorrow
0: speak, spags and i are dropping a combine video tomorrow on pat's pulpit so spags we're qb7 our, wow, okay. ourselves well, out there so boys, you, you, know. you
2: dm that to me i will break it down like this is a Bruder <laughs> film you know frame all by frame. right and <laughs> all we'll right, sounds good
0: sounds good to me <laughs> yeah, exactly all right all guys right. thanks for coming thanks to her again that. and uh we'll talk to you